Talk 1110-993 WBT. All right, so after the blackouts on Christmas Eve that uh, left tens of thousands of people in the dark, in the cold, um, thanks to Duke Energy's uh, uh, failure uh, at multiple levels, um, from predicting the storm, predicting the weather, and uh, but also there uh, there were some software failures and some stuff iced over, and it was just a mess. Uh, but since then, apparently, interest in solar panels has been on the rise. I can't imagine why. Uh, joining me now is Parker Moore. He is the district manager for Empower Solar. Welcome to the show, Parker. How are you? Hey, Pete. Thanks so much for having me on. What a, what a true pleasure. Uh, sure, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. So uh, did I pronounce the name of the company right? Because it's missing a couple of vowels. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we, uh, we dropped some vowels there. E-M-P-W-R. So Empower Solar. You got it right. All right, so tell us first a little bit about the company, how long you all have been around, what do you do? Sure, yeah, we, we've been around about five years now. We're locally owned and operated and technically headquartered in Charleston, South Carolina, but Charlotte was where we first opened and where we still have an office today, about a touchdown throw away from Bank of America Stadium. So we're right here in uptown, right in the thick of it all, and primarily we're a residential solar installer uh, who operates across the southeast. So what happened after Christmas Eve? Well, Christmas Eve, you know, is just a few weeks now after, about a week now after that, and we've seen a, a really big influx in interest in solar, specifically in our Duke areas, uh, Charlotte and surrounding counties, even dipping down into to York County as well, where we all operate. And, uh, you know, I think that Christmas Eve was a big wake-up call for a lot of folks. We had, you know, Duke spokesperson directly uh, tweeting out that really it was due to a uh, – you know, lack of uh, lack of supply. There's more demand for power than supply, and that's exactly the story that solar installers across the country know all too well. Mm-hmm. Right. So they they had forecast models for energy demand that were wrong and underestimated the energy needs because the models were based off of like historical records, and they just didn't right. know that you know Christmas on a on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever, and you know, like because usage is down and this time of day and whatever. Uh, then the cold front moved in. You had the windstorm crews that were supposed to be around to help fix stuff weren't around. Um, and then they were like, oh, well, we'll just go and purchase some energy from our neighbors, uh, other companies. And, oh, no, they need it, so we can't get it. Uh, and then there were some software issues that disrupted the auto, uh, the automatic restorations, and so uh, that compounded the problem as well. So there's just a series of failures. But at the base of it is, I think, what you just said, what, that it was a failure to generate enough power necessary for this time when I would submit it's probably not a peak demand time. Um, mm-hmm. It was the peak for like that week, I guess, but um, it, it, it shouldn't be because, look, I have solar panels. I did not use your company, but I have solar panels on my home, and uh, I know how much power I'm generating, how much I'm using, and how much I'm selling back to Duke. So I went back and, and looked in the uh, over the summer, and I was using way more power in the summertime mm-hmm. than I was in the wintertime. So I don't understand why we're not generating enough power. Absolutely. And certainly I'm not excited to hear that anyone has lost power on Christmas Eve, no less. Right. But um, it, it, it is, you know, it was very encouraging to hear from some of our customers who were texting us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day morning that, you know, hey, Parker, we, we have our battery and we haven't really seen it in motion yet. But thanks, thanks to the battery during Christmas Eve, we actually had power. Mm. And that was really encouraging to hear, right, from someone who's installing those systems. It's great to see that that product that we talk about and sell every day uh, really kept the lights on and, and kept our customers happy and warm. 
Well, and I, look, I know that a big selling feature on solar panels is the environmental uh, effects of it. Uh, you know, the environmental pitch. I get that. It didn't. It, yep. it, it didn't get. It didn't convince me to buy the panels. What What convinced me was sort of the prepper approach, which is I wanted to be able to create power uh, if you know the if the grid is out, and if I can't get power, I want to be able to have it on the house. And so that was my play. Uh, and so it, it has served that purpose very well. Now the the other side is so there are limitations. That's as we saw right where. Right. The the early morning hours, unless you had the battery, then th- those solar panels aren't going to help you. Early morning hours. One uh, some of the other uh, arguments against solar panels on rooftops, on residential rooftops, I've heard is uh, the, there's a problem for roofers, right? That are going to come in if you got a hole in your roof or something, they won't touch your roof. And I've heard like, what about hail? What happens in a hailstorm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great questions, Pete. And and you know, there's so many myths within our industry and. And uh, one of those, of course, is, you know, what does it do to your roof and the warranties involved? And I can speak for Empower Solar. You know, we have a 30-year warranty on our systems, and that's a transferable warranty. Uh, Hailstorms, the panels and the products that we use are, are, are rated to withstand some pretty significant hailstorms. And, of course, there's insurance policies. You know, your homeowner's insurance can step in to cover a lot of these things through your HOI, your homeowner's insurance coverages. But we provide some additional warranties and coverages as well. So, you know, for Hellstorm is a great example of something like that occurs. Homeowners are likely going to be contacting their HOI, uh, but they certainly can contact us too, and those products can be replaced with no problem. Uh, now, there's a lot of other variables in play that make solar really something that you know people don't qualify for. Believe it or not, one in four homes in Charlotte are renters. You've got to own your home to be able to go solar, and mm-hmm. so we run into that quite often. Uh, every house we sit in front of is, is sometimes not eligible to go solar. And it could be because of the sun, the the shade, obviously, that they have, the direction that their roof faces, and homeowners associations sometimes will, will be a hurdle that we have to overcome to get someone to have solar on their roof. So it's not the solution for every home. We certainly know that in the industry. We share that. Our goal is to educate homeowners uh, about the benefits that it could provide them. And certainly, as you mentioned, that prepper mindset, that cost, savings mindset is certainly a big demographic of our customer base. One of the um, uh, the points you just raised came up in uh, our, our local neighborhood. People were talking about solar panels and do they need approval from the HOA? And somebody made a comment about, no, the the, the legislature, or I think it was the legislature, says, you, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe it was the state Supreme Court, they can't, they cannot say no. Um, they, they can have certain regulations, but basically your HOA cannot deny you from getting solar panels. Is that accurate? That is accurate, and certainly there are obviously some some stipulations to that. Like, clearly I can't come out to your house and install a ground mount in your front yard. Right. <laughs> Nor would you want one, Pete, right? Or, or your neighbor wouldn't want one either. Uh, and then some, sometimes they can say, hey, you can have solar, but it can't be on the front side of your home. Well, sadly, the front side of that home is south-facing for some customers, and and that's the side of the house that we really need solar to be on to make it effective for their home. So, so it kind of rules them out there as well. So, there's a lot of factors at play, and some don't get me wrong. Some owners just flat out don't want the panels right. on the front of their home. They might prefer them on the back, or they might prefer a ground mount where that's not always possible. So. There's so many things, and, and we play by the rules, of course, and deal with counties and getting permits and approvals, uh, and and work with Duke Energy directly to get you know permission to operate for these customers. Uh, but we have to play by those rules, and a lot of variables come into play. So, um, 
one of the other things, uh, and I mentioned this briefly, is the, the the ability to sell your energy generated back to Duke Energy. That's a that's a big benefit. It don't it only makes sense to me. Like if I'm going to generate energy and Duke needs some energy, why don't you take it back? So right now they they do. It's called net metering, right? Where you, you send it back to Duke, and they they pay you the same amount that they charge me for whatever energy I'm going to use. But Duke wants to change that. Is that's my understanding? Duke wants to give me less money for buying my solar generated energy than I buy their energy for um, in other parts of the day. Sure. Yeah, that, that one-to-one, that metering uh, that you speak of, today is still one-to-one. And I think Duke, every year for the past I don't know, five years that I've been in the industry, always comes out with a statement that they might see some edits to that one way or the other. But currently, as we stand, stand for today, it is a one-to-one uh, ratio uh, for any power you're, you're in any excess power you're producing, it's got to go somewhere. It can't stay in your house. It, you know, for, for in your case, Pete, it could because you've got the battery. But once that battery is 100% charged and you're still producing excess energy, it's got to go somewhere. So it goes back to the grid, and Duke can buy that back. When they say buy back, it's really a credit, right? You're going to see those credits roll up on your next Duke bill. And they do wipe those credits clean once a year. I believe that date is set to May 1st, I believe. Right. So you get like a big check at the end of the year yeah. for all of the energy that they bought from you. But they're trying to change it. It's a big fight going uh, going on right now in the solar sure. industry versus Duke Energy. And it's going to the Utilities Commission. Um, so I'm going to follow up on some of this stuff because the, uh, the company that I used was at a Raleigh called Southern Energy Management. Um, and they've been around for a very long time. And so they, and so they kind of keep me posted on some of this stuff because yeah. they're part of this larger group of, of companies. And I got to be honest, like some of the people that are associated with that fight, that side of the fight, I'm not politically <laughs> on board with, but sure. on this issue, yeah, I think if I'm selling the energy to you and you're selling energy to me at different times of the day, it should be the same amount of money. Now Duke argues, well, you're generating it during a time when it may not be as peak demand and when you're asking for it during peak demand or whatever. But solar generates during peak demand, particularly in the summertime. So, right, 2 o'clock to like 7 o'clock at night, it seems like that should be uh, that should be a good time to sell back at a one-for-one. One. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and having that battery makes, you know, it keeps energy in your own home. I'm, I'm a personal full believer that the the battery is going to be the next wave of a good home appliance kind of like the microwave was of the 1950s Mm. we just expect every house to have a microwave i think we're not too far off certainly within my lifetime we'll see a home battery be something that's just in the house from day one it's going to be really great for utility companies to actually store energy uh, across many different homes and having solar with that battery can also be a no-brainer for for homes that really qualify. Well, that's a good point too because it sol- or I don't know if it solves it, but it does help to mitigate the rolling blackout problem, right? I mean, if everybody's got a big old battery the size of a uh, of a water heater, I don't know. I'm just thinking in terms of like a AAA battery. <laughs> like you got a you got a water heater size AAA battery, whatever, sitting in your in your garage, and it's just it's just storing energy there. If there if there comes a peak and they go offline or somebody attacks a substation or something, you know, then then everybody's got their own backups. It just seems that seems like a pretty good idea. And these are real concerns. We've seen it with with Christmas Eve. You just mentioned the substation being under attack in Moore County, not too far from us. You know, these are things on customers' mind, which, to you know, bring it back full circle from your first question, this is why we're seeing an increase in interest in solar in our, in our local markets. Yeah. 
Uh, well, hey, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on the program. Parker Moore, the district manager for Empower Solar. Have a great weekend. Nice to talk with you. Thank you so much, Pete. All right, take care. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 13th round of uh, voting is now started <laughs> in the Capitol. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Maybe it's lucky number 13 for Kevin McCarthy. Speaking of Kevin's, let's go to Kevin on line one. Hello, Kevin. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up something with Duke that also is very disturbing in the fact that I was one of the people that was dumped and duped by Duke uh, and on Christmas Eve at seven o'clock in the morning when the power was uh, taken out. Mm. And when they restored it two and a half hours later, I got a message on my uh, my phone which says it was due to a strike on the line, which obviously was a lie. And I'm wondering if anybody from the Public Service Commission is looking into situations like that, because how could you trust the utility if they're gonna send out texts like that? And then on top of all that, I happen to live within 10 miles of uh, a nuke plant. And, and I thought that at least one of the benefits of living near a nuke plant you get the benefit of staying on their grid and not being dumped by them because you're living under the under the premise that their plant may go awry and you may lose your house. Right. So I was wondering why the politicians aren't, you know, catching on to this in the fact that when we're building bigger communities, more schools, more roads, everything else, that you're never going to be able to evacuate from. Why Why these utilities get away with stuff like this just to, just to make more money because they didn't buy enough power? I think it's it's disgraceful that they should be, uh, you know, abusing what they're doing. I don't mind having the nuclear power and living under the risks, but why don't you provide some of the benefits? Yeah, so if I you do it like concentric circles for, like, fallout zone or or contamination zones, right? Like, because I'm, I'm with 100%. you. Yeah, like, I, I live very close to uh, the Catawba plant, and so if I'm close to Catawba nuclear power plant and something happens and it goes down, like, I'm probably going to get irradiated pretty darn quick. Uh, and okay, but in exchange for that risk... I should get like uh, half price energy, and then as you move farther away, but but don't dump don't dump me first. Don't dump you first. Okay, right. So okay, you and I have different perspectives because you got right. You got you got your lights turned out, so your power shut off. So you just want stable energy. I'm looking for a discount, right? So okay, yes. First rule is you don't get dumped. You get dumped last. Right, that's that should be one of the benefits of living. Well, okay, after you would get dumped before like hospitals. Hospitals would get dumped last. Yeah, but I'm on the same grid as a hospital, so... Now, that's surprising, because usually if you're on the same grid as a hospital, then you would have had your power not turned off. Uh, They did rolling blackouts to everyone. Right, but if you're on the same grid as the hospital, they did not turn those off. They they don't turn off the the grid. They don't turn off the... I would like the Public Service Commission to examine that. If if They did. Oh, no, this... Yeah. Because my firehouse nearby was, was out. Well, they did. So they did talk about that at the Utilities Commission. You can go look up, um, go to YouTube, look up NC Utilities Commission, and you can watch the uh, you can watch the last session. Uh, it was on Tuesday, uh, where Duke was brought in and questioned about these uh, about the the rolling blackouts and all of this stuff. So, and they did address part of that. And they say they don't flip the switch on um, they don't flip the switch on hospitals, nursing homes. That sort of stuff, those vital infrastructure uh, facilities. But that doesn't mean, though, that 
those facilities might not have been uh, impacted by some other uh, failure because there were other failures. There was like the software failure uh, and also like when you ramp back up, it takes more energy when you start turning on the lights. And, I, you know, think of it like you got your lights on and sure, your... The hertz go down because the other generators are trying to catch up. Right. So it's right. So when everything starts powering back up, it takes more energy, like six to eight times more energy. So you can't just fire it all back up. you got to roll it out. And so that caused more problems. You had lines that got too cold. They couldn't fire back up when they were called upon to do so. So there were all sorts of problems, all sorts of problems. And, and the last thing is, yeah. if you're going to cut my power off... Then take away a part of that fourteen dollar bill you charge. Yeah, has to be hooked up to your monopoly. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's a, there are a lot of questions. I'm with you. There are a lot of questions. Um, and part of the the uh, the meeting with the utilities commission, I think you would find particularly interesting is the conversation about the notifications that went out to uh, to the to customers, and because they spent a good bit of time talking about those failures as well. Yeah, like seeing my clock off. That, that was my notification. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Kevin, well, I'm glad you got your power restored. Think about solar. Uh, all right. I appreciate the call. Good to talk with you. Have a great weekend. Uh, let me go over to Rick. Welcome to the program. Hello, Rick. Greetings and Happy New Year. Yes, sir. You too. I was just calling with regards to the, some of the conversation on solar systems. When a, if a solar system is somebody's house breaks you know, or doesn't function, they need to make repairs, what do they do for power? You rely on the grid. All right. Or you pull in, I mean, or, well, it depends on what part of the system breaks. If, you're, if your panels break and you've got batteries still uh, available, then you would draw off of your battery. But, yeah, it's always, if, if it's nighttime, obviously, and it breaks and you, ra- you drain your battery, then you're, off the, you're running off of the grid. That's your, that's your backup. So if that's the case, then why is it that the people who are selling power back to uh, Duke shouldn't have to pay for the cost of the distribution system. I mean, if you're paying, if you're, if you're demanding that you get the full rate that you're receiving, then you're not covering the cost of the distribution system. Right. That's what, and that is Duke's argument that that they that they, but they already they do charge a fee. They charge solar owners a fee for the for the system. Now they want to charge more because they, they they say look we're distributing all of this energy and all that and that's that, that's their argument now the other side of that argument is well I'm not using your energy I'm not using your distribution during the peak times when the stress on your system is the greatest and so why should I be paying for all of that it should be a one-to-one so Duke wants to cut you know Duke wants to implement like a very complex rate structure for the times of day that you use it and do all these different calculations and whatever, versus a simple one versus one trade-off. But they do charge, Duke does charge a fee to solar uh, rooftop owners. Well, another thing that seems to have affected the utilities has been the forced closure of coal-fired and yeah. uh, those types of plants. So it, I'm just looking at the numbers I got online out of curiosity, and it appears that the total available megawatts of generating capacity um, have been affected by the loss of these coal facilities. I, yeah, and now I don't know if, I don't know if Duke, does uh, Does Duke admit that, or do the, but is that just, uh, is that just your assessment looking at the generation that's lines? A, that's just a rookie. Right. I, I gotta believe, I'm with you, I gotta believe that that has an impact. And I saw somebody sent me a chart, and it shows all of the 
um, the generation sources, you know, nuclear, gas, hydro, solar, right? You have all the different production sources or harvesting sources um, and and how much they generate like during the day, time of day and all that. And nuclear is at the top. It generates the most and it is a straight, solid horizontal line. It doesn't go up or down, right? There's no peaking. There's no valleying. It's just straight. Why wouldn't we have more of that, you know? Well, you can't build any big plants. You're going to have to go to the small modular reactors. Right. Which I'm, I'm, yeah, and I'm super excited to see that technology roll out. And I hope, I mean, I know it's going to get blocked, environmental lawsuits and all of this stuff and the regulatory burdens and stuff. But I'm like, the the idea for this, like these little micro reactors, like that's, I'm looking forward to that because that's the, that's energy security, that's freedom and uh, that's prosperity. So Rick, I appreciate the, yeah. Yeah. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got an email from Kevin who says, Not everyone experienced a power outage on 1224. My house didn't. Okay. Good for you, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm happy. I'm I'm always happy when when people don't lose core services, right? Like, that's fantastic. I didn't, we didn't lose power either. Um, And at that time of day, early in the morning, yeah, I mean, we... We would have been without power as well. So, um, but th- like, th- like I said, people buy different forms. Like, I, look, I know a fella up in the mountains. There, he's off the grid. He and his wife are off the grid, and they were using uh, propane tanks for their energy source. And they did that, and he had this whole area, like dozens of empty tanks, and like that, he would go and he would fill them and all this. And then he went out and got a couple of solar panels. And this guy, and this guy is like to the right of Attila the Hun, and he put up solar panels because they do generate some power, and it was a more economical thing for him to do, and a more constant supply with the battery storage and stuff. I'm not trying to tell anybody go get solar, and I'm definitely not saying that we need to convert all of our energy into solar power because solar pa- uh, power is solar harvesting. I want energy production. And that's what nuclear does, like even coal plants, right? I recognize the value of the, you know, gas, coal, nuclear, and keep working on the other forms, on the renewables and the, the, the fusion reaction and maybe getting some stuff from the moon or whatever, like all of the above. I'm an all of the above kind of guy. I want all of it. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Pete. Hey. Are you sure uh, when you say that Duke or Duke is well, you know, when they shut the power down, that your solar panels are yours to get the power from? Because in California, I know for a fact that when the power grid would go down there, and they in California screwed up, they're seventy percent. They buy seventy percent of their power from other states. Oh my gosh! So much, yes, because they've shut down so much shit there because they're idiots. Yeah. Okay, and when the power would. Yeah, I believe that's what happened. Did he say that? I think so. Yeah, he did. Sorry, Joe. Uh, you can't use those words on the air. <laughs> he didn't mean it maliciously. He's not. I, I don't think he meant to say it. But that's an FCC violation right there. So you can't say it. 
Good, good, good. Yeah, I mean, I hit, I hit it too. Sorry, Joe. But no, so I don't know, and I can't bring him back on now because the delay has to ramp back up. Um, no, he just he was talking about they've they've shut down so many plants is what he was I think intending to say, but another word came out. They shut down so many poop, so much. Anyway, so uh, they shut it down and uh, and they're buying seventy percent of their power. That's nuts. I was not aware of that. I so the. The panels are mine. They are uh, they're on the house, and the energy it generates goes into uh, the uh, inverter, and that goes back. Now I don't have the battery yet. That's the next purchase, so I don't have the battery. So right, so if the power goes out, I'm able to draw. I can power stuff in my house as long as I'm harvesting power from the sun during daylight hours. But once the sun goes down, then I'm I'm done. If if you know, if I use up all the power that they're generating right at that moment, then I, I lose it. That's it. So, no, that's crazy. California sounds messed up indeed. Um, all right, so I mentioned this net metering uh, thing. Hang on a second. Let me check one thing real quick. Yeah. Uh, John says, Pete, if they cannot handle the energy load right now, imagine how many rolling blackouts there will be when combustible engine automobiles are outlawed and everybody has to plug in their electric cars, which need charging more often in the cold, that's what, like an extra 150 million cars being charged? Yeah, this is not, it's, I understand, like, the leftists wanting to have the the environmentalist goals because it helps advance, you know, Marxism. I get that. And I understand the people that believe, truly believe, that we're all going to die, like, next week from climate change or something. I, I understand there are people that believe these things. And I understand they want goals to get us to, you know, cleaner air and that sort of thing, which is fine. That's fine to have goals. Look, I like clean air. When given the preference or given the choice between clean air or dirty air, I prefer, and I think nine out of ten doctors recommend clean air over dirty air. I prefer drinking water that is clean versus water that is not. So these are things that, I mean, that I think I'm, uh, I think I'm in a solid majority there. Um, and look, I also recognize that a lot of people talk about, Oh, we have a, you know, we have, our air is cleaner than it's ever been. And it's our, our waterways are cleaner and we have more trees and all of those things, like all of these improvements. And you have to recognize that I'm not saying I'm an advocate for all the policies. I'm just pointing out that a lot of those advances were made because of policies that a lot of conservatives don't like, right? A lot of libertarians don't like. I recognize that. Again, not advocating for them, but I'm pointing out that a lot of the policies that got us to where we are to have this stuff or helped at least get us to this point um, were opposed by a lot of people. Now, that being said, also, when a society becomes wealthier, they then are able to spend more money on the things that when you're struggling to just get food and water on a daily basis, you don't really care about. You don't care about mowing the yard. You don't care about picking up the trash on the side of the road. None of that stuff matters if you're spending 12 hours a day just getting water from the well seven towns over, you know, that kind of stuff. So as a, as, a, as a society becomes wealthier, they get more money uh, to, to spend on cleaning up the environment. They, they can take care of this stuff. These things now become more affordable to them because we have more disposable income. So thank you, capitalism. Thank you, capitalism, for making that possible. Some of the worst, some of the worst global historic 
uh, polluters, governments, GovCo. My God, take a look at the commies in the Soviet Union, the stuff they did to their country, to their environment. Mm-mm-mm. Terrible. Um, where was I going with that? I find myself saying that more and more often now that I'm getting to be in my 40s. No, I'm kidding. I'm already in my 40s. In uh, November of 2021, Duke Energy filed a proposed change to North Carolina's solar net metering policy with Utilities Commission. The changes are a byproduct of clean energy legislation that was passed in 2017. It was House Bill 589, bipartisan, Republican-led General Assembly at the time, right? Still. The legislation requires an investigation into the value of net metering. That has yet to take place. The current proposal does not include a plan to do so either. The ultimate goal of a third-party investigation, though, is to provide clear values of the cost and benefits of net metering and distributed rooftop solar generation. What's the value? I think we need to do some due diligence here before, because like the earlier caller and his uh, his comments about, you know, you're using the, the grid, the infrastructure. And that's true, right? That is true. Like if I'm drawing power off the grid during that time, then I'm paying the full freight for that power. But if I'm sending it, there Duke is paying me. But they built the, they own the system, the distribution system. So what? I, they, so they want me to pay that? Yeah, but you're getting my energy that you're then using to offset your own production. So there's value there for you. So why are you? So it sounds like you want to double dip on me. That's what that sounds like. That you want you you built the distribution system, then you were forced to let me sell it back into your system, right? And now you don't like the fact that I'm paying one for one, that we both pay the same price to use the system because you own the system, you have to maintain it. Well, yes, but you have a government monopoly, right? And as a citizen of this state, right, you got that sweet deal. So there's like a, there's, I mean, that has value too, no. But also um, that you get to take my energy and sell it to somebody else. And when my energy at nighttime, you know, my, my energy is not being shipped to you, I'm buying from you and I'm paying for the, whatever cost associated with the distribution system for that. So, yeah, I kind of think we should probably have that, that investigation done. <laughs> I kind of think we should have a report that truly maps the costs for all of this stuff. A third party that does it, right? So it's all above board. That's all. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I just want to know what the numbers are. And I want to. Ha- I want them to be credible, and I don't want them to be able to be attacked as you know fake or corrupted or whatever. So I just. I think that's a f- that's a fair thing. It's in the bill. We should just do what's in the bill. Maybe they haven't read the bill. They say read the bill. Read the bill. All right. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. An update, energy-related. Remember the attack on the electrical substations in Washington State on Christmas Day? And apparently, because apparently there's like a bunch of drag shows going on or something. No, I'm kidding. Um, Two men got arrested for that. They are charged. It appears it wasn't terrorism. 
It wasn't anarchy. It wasn't drag shows. Apparently, according to the report in the Associated Press, they took out the power in an attempt to take out the power to the whole area because they wanted to shut down security and surveillance systems at the drag shows. No, I'm kidding. Uh, To shut down security and surveillance systems at one or more local businesses so they could break in and rob them because it was Christmas and they were closed. So rather than turning out to be some Machiavellian terrorist plot, it's a couple of bozos planning a robbery. Matthew Greenwood, 32, Jeremy Crahan, 40, both of Puyallup. 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 That's where they're from? Puyallup? Really? That's a place? How would you pronounce that? P-U-Y-A-L-L-U-P. Puyallup. Puyallup. Well, they done pooed y'all up. Uh, absolutely. They're pooed up now. They got arrested. Um, and let's see here. Charged with conspiracy to damage energy facilities. They aren't just being charged with the burglary. Uh, conspiracy to attack energy facilities is punishable by up to 20 years in prison. And they should serve every uh, every minute of it. Yeah. The pair are also charged with possessing unregistered firearms that could add more time to their sentences. Well, let's see. Where are they? Oh, well, they're in Tacoma. I don't know. I mean, if it's in, like, San Francisco, then they're probably out on the street already. But up in Tacoma, maybe? I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're, they're, maybe they're sitting in the coolie for a little. Six-packs of shiner, 99-cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler. Take a guess at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard. Sing along to Redneck Mother. Any blues I had before are gone. Another working week is over. No chance of staying sober. I can feel a good one coming on. So get this, uh, the FBI got involved, and uh, they actually did some, uh, some, yeah, some, some good work. Although they worked with the comms companies to track the locations of the cell phones. In a ragtop Mustang, followed us down to the lake, and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight, situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we gonna roll all night We gonna get the feeling right We gonna keep this party rocking till the break of dawn Yeah, I can feel a good one Feel like a good one I can feel a good one coming on 
Right, so they tracked the cell phones, getting all that experience from the J6 investigations, obviously. Two phones showed up at all four stations around the time of the attacks, and so they got identified and put under surveillance until their arrests. And I got to wonder, like, are they doing this for the North Carolina attackers, too? Maybe. I want to get on that. Just throwing it out there. I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. We're going to get